0: You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Welcome to Dolphins Talk Weekly, your one-stop audio breakdown of all of this week's Miami Dolphins news. Now, here is your host... Welcome to the first episode of Dolphins Talk Weekly. I'm your host, Kevin Dern. You might remember me from the Phenalysis podcast with Travis Wingfield, or as a contributor to Locked On Dolphins as a writer there. And for the past year, I've been writing at DolphinsTalk.com. Mike Oliva and his team have welcomed me and have allowed me the freedom to write there, and I've been wanting to do a podcast of my own for quite some time, and Mike and his team were kind enough to give me the platform to make that happen. And this will be a weekly podcast, and what I would like to focus on each week is the Dolphins news of the week. During the season, we'll do some game recaps, we'll focus on key players and key plays, and do a quick preview of the game coming up that weekend. Obviously, we're done with the Dolphins season for 2020, so we're in the beginning stages of the offseason here as we're still in the middle of the playoffs, and we just got word that the Senior Bowl uh, will have the Dolphins coaching one of the teams coming up here in a couple weeks. So for the offseason episodes, I'd like to kind of focus on the news of the week, and maybe we'll review a specific group of players, uh, position unit, defensive unit, offensive unit, something like that will be a topic of discussion each week. And I'd like to start off just by kind of doing an an overview and a recap of the 2020 season. Now, I had gone on several other podcasts before the year started, and inevitably when you go on those types of podcasts, people are always going to ask you, you know, what's your prediction? And this year, it was a pretty hard year to predict because we didn't know about the uncertainties with COVID and how all the protocols would play out and, you know, how it might wipe out an entire position group. You know, like we ended up seeing with Denver's quarterbacks, you know, in the in the season. Uh we didn't know how it would, you know, affect game scheduling. You know, there were several games moved around, but none got canceled. And overall, on paper, it looked like Miami was going to have a pretty hard schedule. So the podcast that I went on to, my thought was, you know, if the Dolphins can get to eight and eight, they might actually be worlds better than they were in 2019 even if it wasn't reflected reflected in the record of the team this season. And I talked about four key goals, and I actually wrote a piece for Dolphins Talk uh, right before the Week 17 matchup against Buffalo, just kind of refocusing on the four points, the four building blocks, if you will, of what I wanted to see out of the Dolphins 2020 season. And I guess the four blocks that I felt were most important were in order... Number 1, see if you can get the team to 500. You know, we were all pretty inspired by what Brian Flores did, especially down the stretch, you know, going 5 and 4 in the last 9 games in 2019. They obviously made a ton of additions both in the draft and free agency leading up to the 2020 season. So I felt like getting to 8 and 8 was at least a respectable step forward in this long rebuilding project that they they've got going on. And obviously, they accomplished that. They finished 10-6 and six and even had a chance at at the postseason. Um, obviously, that didn't turn out our way against Buffalo in Week 17. Um, but still, a pretty nice step forward for Brian Flores in Year 2. The second building block that I had, and this was based on sort of the football economics of what Miami had done in the offseason, was to improve the defense and identify specific needs that you still have going into year three and obviously they improved the defense quite a bit they were number one in the league in in points allowed going into that Buffalo game I believe they finished sixth overall they had the number one third down defense in the entire league I believe they finished tied for first in takeaways they were the only team that had a takeaway in every game this past season I believe they were seventh in red zone defense and they were in the top 10 in number of sacks. All those categories were, were major improvements from where they were the year before. I think, though, if you look at the team, you can still kind of see some causes for concern. Not really concern, but areas that need addressed going into 2021. And, you know, this defense obviously is, is built on the secondary, they've put a lot of money into Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. They gave an extension to Eric Rowe. Bobby McCain is still playing off of another extension that was given to him by the previous regime. There's a lot of money invested in the secondary. And I think what we learned throughout the year is maybe the depth in the secondary isn't where it should be if you're going to be a playoff or Super Bowl caliber team. You know, Nick Needham got exposed in several games this year. You look at him against Cooper Cup and the Rams. You look at what happened against Isaiah McKenzie and the Bills in week 17. You know, Noah Igbenogany had some ups and had some major downs early in the year when he filled in for Byron Jones. And outside of the Bengals game, we really didn't get a chance to see him much down the stretch. So I think there's some in house opportunities to improve that depth with those two players, Needham and Igbenogany. But I think you're going to need to look at, at upgrading some of the depth. You know, Bobby McCain can't go out and you have to rely on a guy like Clayton Fedulum. You know, look at the Kansas City game as a perfect example. Bobby McCain goes out and the Chiefs, you know, hit the deep pass to Tyreek Hill. And then they had the other end of round play where Clayton Fedulum couldn't get over to the sideline and knock him out of bounds to prevent a touchdown. So I think secondary depth is something you're certainly going to be looking at this offseason. As far as linebackers go, Elandon Roberts suffered the knee injury against the Raiders in Week 16. That's going to be an issue. Jerome Baker only has one year left under contract, and you have several depth players, Calvin Munson, Sam McGuavin, who are um, going to be free agents or or, or restricted free agents this offseason. So you're going to have to address some of the depth spots there. I still think maybe you need that. Top tier, sort of Dante Hightower-ish type player to allow Jerome Baker to continue playing in that sort of reduced role that he had a lot of success in, especially the second half of this season. So that's one area I think you have to focus on in the linebacker unit: is is can you get drastically better this off season? There, if not, you know, are you going to bring back a Landon Roberts? Are you going to look towards the draft to find? Sort of that run stopping player that we know Jerome Baker isn't quite. I think that's a hole that you're going to have to address one way or another. And then up front, we got a lot of nice contributions and nice growth from Emmanuel Ogba, from Zach Sealer. Raquan Davis really improved as the season wore on, but I still feel like the depth up front is a little thin. You know, we saw some flashes from Jason Strowbridge, but he was inactive more games than he was active. You know, Shaq Lawson had the shoulder thing kind of going on from the Seahawks game on. He was kind of hit and miss week to week. So I I still think there might be another piece or two that they have to add up front. Um, Ideally, I'd love to see them get sort of a a veteran presence nose tackle type to help against the run when you need it. Um, And they could use another iron in the fire as far as an edge player goes. But I think we've solidified those needs, and it's not like... You're out there looking for a pair of starting corners or something like that. Um, they did a really nice job improving the defense and, and identifying those need areas. The third aspect I, I wrote about was seeing growth on the offensive line. And while I think they accomplished the first two points, this one, I think you have to put a pin in it and, and say to be determined. You know, we saw three rookies play Jackson, Kinley, and Hunt. All of them had pretty nice moments, and I think altogether, Kinley probably had the best overall season out of all those guys. I think Hunt had some pretty nice games. Jackson had some pretty nice games before the foot injury against Seattle, um, but the consistency level in the two tackles just wasn't quite where it needs to be. Now, that's going to happen with rookies. You know, I get it, they're, they're going to have to be better. I think there's some hard questions that Miami's going to have to look in the mirror and ask themselves, especially as it relates to the interior of the offensive line. You know, can you do better at center than Ted Karras? You know, is Eric Flowers really worth all that money? Is his position, is his best position, left guard? Because I think, arguably, Solomon Kinley outplayed him there, and the line was pretty cohesive when we had Solomon Kinley at left guard. You know, I think when they finally had all six guys healthy. They showed their true colors and put Jesse Davis on the bench. You know, I think that's probably where he's best suited right now, just given what we have. But I think there's going to be some serious questions asked about center and at least one of the guard spots. I think you can play Kinley at either spot. I think you have to really look hard and evaluate Karras and, and Flowers. So that one remains to be seen. And then the fourth one was at least get a good sample size on what Tuatonga Vailoa brings to the team and we're going to go in depth onto a little bit here in a minute um but we got to see him play what nine games dolphins went 6 and 3 in those nine games he had to be pulled twice against Denver and the Raiders and really just kind of left you kind of wanting more and saying okay you know here's the good things he's done here's what he isn't how do we improve upon this in 2021 and you know, I think it's good that there's that much film on there. It's not a situation like what Denver had with Drew Locke where you don't quite know what's going to happen. With Tua, you have enough film and you can see his strengths and weaknesses and you have to be able to sort of play into that. Now, we can use that as a nice springboard into going into some of the news that's come up in this week since the season has ended, week and a half since the season has ended. And the big... The big shoot-a-drop was that Chan Gailey, the offensive coordinator, resigned, and this was a day after Brian Flores and Chris Greer got asked—I believe it was by Cameron Wolf, the ESPN beat reporter for the Dolphins—did he plan on keeping, or was he planning on keeping all of his assistant coaches and coordinators? And Brian Flores said that he hoped that Cameron Wolf didn't jinx him because they had lost Patrick Graham and, and several others the year before. Obviously, the day after Brian Flores said that, Chan Gailey resigns. Now, I know a lot of Dolphins Twitter was very happy about that. Um, I think a lot of people sort of gloss over the fact that Chan Gailey was responsible for really taking this offense in a step forward. And you're out there doing it with a rookie quarterback, with three offensive linemen that are rookies with, you know, a seventh round draft pick and an undrafted free agent that are running backs and Gaskin and Ahmed. You did it with Preston Williams missing half the season, Devontae Parker being banged up, Jaquim Grant missed games, Mike Isicki missed a game. Miami had a lot of trouble with receivers generating separation, and they have an overall lack of speed on offense. So I credit Shane Gailey for keeping Miami in into- in position to win games and keeping them competitive on offense, especially a lot of times when it looked like we were going to stall out. He managed to figure out ways for Miami to score points and keep going, but it's clear that a change was was necessary, and I feel like Galey resigning is sort of the catalyst to get Brian Flores another crack at finding the right offensive coordinator to fit this offense for Tua going forward into 2021. The other news that we had was that the Dolphins mutually parted ways with defensive line coach Marion Hobby. Now, that's significant because Hobby was one of the the original hires that Flores made when he first got here. He was also close with Christian Wilkins and Shaq Lawson. He recruited them both to Clemson. But Marion Hobby moved on. It was mutually done, so I would imagine there's Another job out there that Marion Hobby has his eye on or he wanted to retire, I'm sure we'll get clarity on that down the road. Um, I think it's interesting that Rob Leonard has moved to two different positions in two years, and I wonder if he's a guy that might be willing or might get the call to step up and replace Marion Hobby. The other guy I would keep an eye on, and, and I don't know what his contract situation is with Kansas City, is their defensive line coach, Brendan Daly. Uh, Brendan Daly was in New England with Brian Flores when he was there and left to go be part of Andy Reid's staff in KC, but that would be another logical fit from outside the organization if his contract is indeed up with Kansas City. I'd have to look into that to know more, but that seems like a likely candidate that they would want to talk to, and I believe Brian Flores wanted to bring Daly in um, when he was first hired but was blocked by New England from doing so. So that's one to keep an eye on. The other news we have is sort of indirectly related to Tua and to the Dolphins, and that's what's happening with the situation with Deshaun Watson in Houston. Now, obviously, there's a lot of chicanery going on with what's happening in the Houston front office. We've had a bunch of former Texans players speak out and say that they're not happy with the direction the organization is taking Deshaun Watson, you know, had the tweet about some things never changing or whatever it was and deleted it, and then he showed up back up at a Houston Rockets game the other night, so he's back in town. Now that Houston's really – they've put in a request to interview Eric Biennemi, which I guess was one of the candidates that Deshaun was sort of stumping for at the beginning. Well, now they have to wait until the Chiefs' season is over because of the playoffs. Um, so that kind of put, Tex- put the Texans' whole – you know, transformation this offseason on hold. Um, I don't know if they're trying to do that to placate Deshaun Watson, but it's interesting because Chris Mortensen, who, if you remember, was one of, if not the first people on the news about Miami trading Minka Fitzpatrick in 2019, um, was the first guy to really break this story about Deshaun and mentioned that Miami was one of the possible destinations. Now, I say the following as someone who is skeptical of anything happening or of Deshaun Watson coming to Miami. But if Miami gets the position to make that trade, because Deshaun Watson is going to have all the leverage on the Houston side, I think you absolutely have to pull the trigger. That's no knock against Tua. But right now, Deshaun Watson is a top-five quarterback in the NFL. He led a 4-12 team this year, led the NFL in passing, um, with a coaching change, with you know, not a very good surrounding cast supporting him, he's an he's a dynamic playmaker, and he's probably the next in line after Mahomes and Rogers as, as far as you know being able to extend plays and have that kind of capability. If you are in position to make that trade, I say do it. And the thing I see the the problem that I think a lot of Dolphins Twitter has is you're saying, what would you rather have? Picks 3-18 and and Tua or Deshaun Watson? And I would say this to that, is that I don't think he's going to cost that much because he has the leverage, not the Texans. Deshaun Watson has the leverage. If he wants to force his way out, he's either going to say, look, I'm not going to play this year or you can trade me to Miami. I don't think Miami needs to be breaking the bank in their initial offer. You can just say, hey, We'll give you Tua and pick 18 for Deshaun. If you don't want that, you've got to deal with this mess on your hands, and we'll keep our pick and our quarterback, and we'll start building from there. Start the negotiation at that point. You know, I don't necessarily think it's going to cost Tua, 3, 18, and, and whatever else you want to throw in there. That's sort of faulty logic, in my opinion, and you know, that's not necessarily what the cost is going to be. We don't know what the cost is going to be, But I do know this. Right now, right now, Deshaun Watson is a much better quarterback than Tua Tungavailoa. So if you have that opportunity to make that trade, I say do it. Now, again, I'm not knocking Tua. I'm a fan of his. I really wanted them to build around him, and they've got that opportunity to do so if nothing transpires. I don't think anything is going to transpire with Deshaun Watson. I'm simply saying if that option does present itself, you make that trade 10 out of 10 times. Now, a couple of other things with this, Greer was pretty. Chris Greer was pretty emphatic at the Dolphins roundtable about Tua being the starter going into twenty twenty one. Okay, that's a stamp of approval in my opinion. But you also have to remember, you know, going back a ways, Jeff Ireland once said before the two thousand eight draft that the pick was going to be a quote pillar of defense, and they ended up taking an offensive tackle Jake Long out of Michigan. So, I you know, I think Chris Greer and Brian Flores often tell us the truth in, in plain sight, and we kind of miss it because of all the mixed signals and, and bad reporting we sometimes get, both from the team itself and from some of the media members. I do think some of the media members are, are very good reporters and get a lot of good information. I'll, I'll leave it up to your imagination who falls into which category. But I think right now... You know, if you have the chance to get a top five quarterback, I think you have to pull the trigger on doing it. Now, maybe Chris Greer is emphatic and, and two is going to be the guy, but at some point, you at least have to call Houston and say, "Hey, you know, well, how's the situation shaking out? We can help take this off your hands and give you a quarterback that you know you don't have picks to to get anyway." So, for me, I think you have to investigate that situation if you are Chris Greer and Brian Flores. That being said, if you end up keeping Tua, there's a lot that you can do to help him out as far as having the third pick and the 18th pick. you know Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, Najee Harris, name any of the other receivers that are potentially first and second round picks. There's a lot of free agents out there that would look pretty good in in the aqua and orange. There's a lot you can do to help out Tua and help him take that next step from year one to year two. So I will finish the two a bit with this. I am good either way. If you want to keep him, keep him. If you want Deshaun Watson, go get him. Don't sit in the limbo area. Do one or the other. Moving on, the next situation we had, or news situation we had, comes from Xavier Howard. Now, if you have followed Dolphins Twitter, you'll recognize that Xavier Howard, you know, who should be the Defensive Player of the Year, by the way. Um, If if I had an official vote for him, I would vote for him. And Here's the little secret. I believe I do, um, as I'm a member of the Pro Football Writers of America. So if I get that chance to vote for him, he's getting my vote for Defensive Player of the Year. He had a fantastic season. But you'll recognize on Twitter that he changed his agent to David Cantor. And that name should ring some bells for Dolphins fans. He was the agent for Olivier Vernon, who at the end of the 2015 season, kind of forced his way out. He knew that the Dolphins didn't have enough money to pay for an OV extension because of the Indomitian Sioux deal. I believe he was also the agent for Paul Solia, who was not happy that the Dolphins weren't able to give him an extension at the end of, I believe it was either 2013 or 2014. And I think Xavier Howard is doing this to, you know, become the highest paid corner in the NFL. He deserves to be. He had a tremendous season. And, you know, I think it's kind of funny that a lot of the Dolphins fans, when we drafted Noah Igmanogany, wanted to say, you know, hey, we're going to trade Xavier Howard a year after they just gave him that big five-year contract. You know, it's kind of funny. They, they've paid the people that they want to be here, and they've gotten rid of the people that they don't want to be here. That's what this regime has been about. And, of course, Xavier Howard finally gets healthy. He goes out. He has 10 interceptions Has a great season. Also leads the league in passes, defensed, PBUs, and forced a couple fumbles along the way. Had a fantastic season. He deserves to be paid. He deserves to be paid more than Byron Jones. Uh, No offense to Byron Jones, but Xavier Howard was the better player this year and was the best player on the entire Miami Dolphins roster in 2020. So um, I think you have to pay him. I don't think this is about him trying to force his way out. It sounds like he wants to be here and he's bought into what Coach Flores is preaching here in Miami. Um, And, you know, what is the real opportunity cost of, of not paying him? You know, is there one this year? You know, what extensions do you have to make? And you look at the roster and the guys that are due for contracts, you know, you can start negotiations with Jerome Baker, he's after his third year in the league, you can start talking to Mike Kosicki. You can start talking to Jason Sanders and Durham Smythe. They were all part of that 2018 class. But you still have club control over each of those guys for another year. So really the two biggest, really the three biggest free agents this year that you have are Matt Hawk, the punter, who he's always kind of been up and down as far as a punter goes, but for the most part has been pretty good. And he's kind of a secret weapon on all the different fakes and things that Miami's thrown out there. So I think there's some hidden value to Matt Hawk being as good of an athlete as he is. You have Devon Godshall who missed most of the season with the torn biceps injury, which, which stinks for him having it be in a contract year. But that probably is a good thing for the Dolphins because you can negotiate that price down to the point where you can say, okay, if you're not going to take a team friendly deal, we'll just roll with Raquan Davis and Zach Sealer and, and find someone else that's cheaper. You have that leverage in your pocket. And then finally you have Vince Beagle who, you know, suffered the unfortunate Achilles injury. But I think Andrew Van Ginkle's development this year, coupled with the fact that you have a slew of different guys that you can kind of play on the edge, really kind of makes it, you know, a luxury to re-sign him. Especially when he wasn't that great of a pass rusher, all things considered, um, you know it's it's one more person you could have in the rotation. But I think Van Ginkle's emergence means that you don't have to spend the money on Vince Beagle. You have some flexibility there. So again, I say, who are you really extending? That's going to prevent you from giving more money to Xavier and Howard. You know, there's a couple contracts you could look at in, in terms of getting rid of them to save some extra money, if that's what you know the Dolphins are inclined to do. I know Brendan Shore is one of the best salary cap guys in the business. Um, I'm sure they'll have everything worked out to the point where this isn't an issue. Or if Miami simply doesn't want to pay that price point, Xavier Howard's value has never been higher. But I would side on the on the fence of I would side on the fence of paying him. He's your best player. He's a huge part of this defense. You know, I don't think you're going to replicate that type of production from Jones or Igbenogany or if you ended up having to draft another corner because you got rid of Xavier Howard. You know, I don't like making holes just to refill them using high resources. You know, that just doesn't seem like a smart way to build a roster. So I'll close with that close that segment with saying just make Xavier Howard happy, pay him, make him the highest corner, and keep him in those positions to be productive again next year because that's really what makes this defense go. And finally, we got the news that Brian Flores and the Dolphins staff will be joining the Carolina Panthers staff and coaching the teams in the Reese Senior Bowl, uh, which the game is coming up on Sunday, January 3rd or Saturday, January 30th. Uh, whatever day of the week that is, it's January 30th, and the Dolphins will be coaching. Now, I don't think we've gotten all of the player acceptances just yet, but I went through the list today and I really wanted to kind of go through and, you know, kind of earmark a guy at each position I thought would either one, be interesting to the Dolphins, or two, is a guy that I really like and want to see maybe isn't the greatest fit for the Dolphins, but a guy that I think can play well in the league. So just going through those positions, uh, we'll start at quarterback and we'll work our way through the offense and then down through the defense. Kellen Mond at Texas A&M is a guy I've wanted to see um, a little bit more of. I've seen a few Aggies games. You know, He's a good athlete, good size, big arm, a lot of arm talent. Seems like he always came up short in big games or made turnovers at inopportune times. But I think there's a lot of talent you can work with there um, and and really kind of shape him into a, a decent possible backup quarterback. At running back, Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. Um, I haven't seen the Bulldogs play a whole lot, but I do have several followers who um, have mentioned Kylan Hill to me on Twitter a lot, saying he's a a bigger back, physical back, a guy that does everything right, has bought into the program. Sounds like a Brian Flores type of player to me. You know, He's a running back I'm interested in seeing. There are some other good ones in the game, but Kylan Hill is is the top guy for me that I want to see. At wide receiver, Arizona State's Frank Darby. Um, I was on another podcast a week or so ago and was asked about some of the receivers. He's a guy that I haven't seen play at all, but I keep hearing and reading good stuff about him. So I'm, I'm curious to see how his week in Mobile goes. Uh, at tight end, Tony Poljan from Virginia. Um, he seems like the typical Dolphins tight end, big, tall. Physical guy that can block, has good hands. I don't necessarily think the Dolphins are going to be in the market for a tight end, but if for some reason they are, he seems like the guy that would fit what they have acquired at that position over the past few years the best. At tackle, um, and I apologize if I get this pronunciation wrong, I believe it's Dylan Raddage from North Dakota State, um, you know, coming from the FCS level. Obviously, that's a big jump in competition, but he seems to be very high on quite a few draft boards, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, interior lineman Trey Smith, the guard from Tennessee, he's fantastic. Uh, excited to see how his week goes. On defense, uh, defensive end, one of my favorite players in the entire draft. I think Miami would be on to him if they feel they have a need at defensive end, but that's Carlos Boogie Basham from Wake Forest. Um you know, big guy, physical, can rush the passer, sets the edge pretty well. Would really like to see what he can do against some some of the top competition. Um, a defensive tackle, Levi Unwuzarike from Washington. You know, is he a defensive end? Is he a defensive tackle? Washington does some creative things and, and uses their players creatively. So he's a guy I'm looking forward to seeing. At linebacker, um, if you've watched any SEC games and watched Georgia, you probably noticed Monty Rice, one of their inside linebackers, undersized guy, you know, about like Jerome Baker, but he is lightning fast. Um, very quick player, very aggressive, good tackler. Um, excited to see what he can do. At corner, we'll go back to Washington and Elijah Molden as a guy I've heard a lot of good things about. I um, saw one of their games early in the season. He made a couple nice plays, so looking forward to seeing him. And then At safety, one of my favorite players in the draft, along with Carlos Basham, is Tyree Gillespie. Now, if you get the chance, watch the Missouri game against Alabama from this year. He and the other Missouri safety, Josh Bledsoe, who's also at the Senior Bowl. Those two guys and middle linebacker Nick Bolton, that that trio is fun to watch. But for me, the best one of that trio is Tyree Gillespie. Uh, He plays with great angles. He's got decent speed. He's physical. He tackles well in the open field. There's a great clip of him tackling uh, Jalen Waddle. It's either on an end around or a bubble screen. Um, tackles him solidly in the open field and gets him down. Uh, this guy can play. I don't necessarily know that he'd be that kind of middle of the field, deep free safety that you're looking for, but he's a fun player to watch, and I think he's a guy that would draw interest from the Dolphins. Um, so we'll have more coverage on the Senior Bowl next week and certainly the week of the Senior Bowl. But that'll do it for our first episode of Dolphins Talk Weekly. I look forward to joining you guys next weekend. We should have the podcast out every week, either on Friday afternoon or Saturday morning. I'm um, looking forward to, to talking some Dolphins football with you guys. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Uh, my handle is kevinmd D Four. Um, Kevin MD4. Feel free to ask me any questions and I'll try and get to them on the next show. Thank you guys and fins up.